A few months ago, a listener wrote me a message asking me to do an episode about a topic that she called insatiability. English isn't her first language, so she was having trouble finding the right English word to get across what she was experiencing. But basically, it was a sense of knowing that she has a lot, but always feeling like she needs more. When I inquired further, it became clear that it was an issue that I struggle with myself all the time. An issue where you feel like you're never enough. That you're never quite successful enough, or you're never quite confident enough, or you're never quite popular enough. It's definitely connected to a shamey feeling of not good enough, but I think it also is about scarcity. Getting discomfortable with scarcity. Scarcity to me feels like the things that I really need, the things that are really important to me, the things that I want, the things that make my life worth living, or, or the things that make me personally valuable, are in short supply. That there is only a finite amount of the things I need, such as happiness or success or status or value or even creativity. So if someone else has a brilliant idea, or is really successful, or seems really confident, or is really high status, it feels like they are taking away from my possibility of being the things that I think I need to be to have well-being. It creates a kind of desperation, a kind of longing, a kind of nervous, anxious energy, like I need to get the things that I want immediately, or that there's this precarious sense that if I'm not really careful and if I'm not doing everything I can to reinforce the things that are important to me, that I will lose them all. I need to be doing something at all times to ensure that I am important and that I have love and, and that I have meaning and purpose and, you know, all the things that I think I need to be happy and successful and valuable. So scarcity, when combined with a very natural shame-based fear of I'm not enough, creates a real storm of anxiety. Because even if you feel in this moment like, oh, I kind of am enough, scarcity says, yeah, but what about tomorrow? Will you be enough tomorrow? You better get hustling so that you are enough tomorrow. And if you don't feel like you even are enough in any given moment, then scarcity is saying, well, enoughness is in short supply. Look at that person. They're enough. And look at that person. They're enough. There might not even be any enoughness left. There might not be enough enoughness for you. I find this topic so relatable, especially when I think back to when I was pursuing film. There was this constant sense that I needed to be creating new film ideas. I needed to be writing like 10 scripts at once. I needed to be working on a TV show. I needed to be making short films. I needed to be doing music videos. And I needed to be making feature films. And I needed to have constant forward motion because there just wasn't enough creativity and success and genius to go around. And if I didn't constantly put stuff out into the world, my sense of worth would go away. 
because essentially shame was telling me that my worth was based on the opinions of other people. My worth was based on being in people's consciousness, being in their awareness, being in their attention. So if I wasn't constantly doing something that was giving me attention, that was putting stuff out into the world, then I didn't exist and I had no value and I was worthless. It brings up a lot of classic shame themes, such as hierarchy. I think scarcity and hierarchy go hand in hand. If you believe that some people can be better than other people, there's kind of this notion that like goodness and successfulness and worthiness is in short supply. So climbing up the fictional hierarchy of human value that shame tries to convince you is real is all about creating worth, creating value, creating status. And sometimes it feels like in order to get that stuff, you actually have to take it from other people. You have to cut other people down. You have to say, oh, well, that film wasn't that good. I don't know why everyone likes it. This person's a hack. I don't know why they're successful. You have to find all these justifications to kind of undermine other people's success so that there's enough success left over for you to have some. And you kind of trample over people on your way up the fictional hierarchy of human value in order to take the scarce amount of status and worthiness and success that you think exists in the world. And woven inextricably amongst this is, of course, comparison. The idea that you are constantly being looked at and compared with all these other people and evaluated on a hierarchy and the success and status and worth is being doled out on a kind of comparison ladder. And who is doling this stuff out? People. This is where the fictional hierarchy of human value and shame really breaks down in terms of logic. You are trying to create more value for yourself than other people and in comparison to other people, but yet the deciders of who has value are other people. So it's kind of like having an Olympic figure skating match where all the figure skaters go on the ice at once and then at the end they are asked to judge each other. But there's another way of looking at the world, thank God. And that is just simply that we are all the same, that there is no hierarchy, that we are all equal, and therefore no amount of hustling will get us any more value than anyone else, which means that we are all enough right now, no matter who we are, what we've done, where we are in life, what mistakes we've made, what successes we've had, we're enough, we're equal. That means the person who is asking for change on a street corner is just as valuable, just as worthy, full of just as much enoughness as the most successful person in society, like Oprah. Oprah is no better than this person asking for change on a street corner. Logically, theoretically, I know that this is true. But <laughs> it is extremely hard to feel the truth of it deep within my bones when I spent over three decades living in a culture that told me hierarchy is real. Not to mention being mired in an emotion, shame, that reinforced this hierarchy. Shame naturally creates a sense of hierarchy because shame is the feeling that you are different, bad, and alone in comparison to other people. So that means that if you can be bad compared to other people, that other people can be above you. It immediately creates a ranking, whether you realize it or not. Subconsciously, 
The very belief that you can be bad creates a hierarchy. And we know that shame is a natural, instinctual human emotion. Everybody has it. So it's not surprising that a lot of cultures, though not all cultures, but a lot of cultures, especially Western culture, fall into this feeling of hierarchy. Lots of different animal groups fall into hierarchies. Chimps, for example, and quite famously, lobsters. This is Jordan Peterson's example of why hierarchies are perfectly natural. And sure, you could say that hierarchies are perfectly natural because shame reinforces them. But there are lots of human cultures, lots of tribes that do not have hierarchies. They are egalitarian. And there are lots of cultures that have different hierarchies, like a matriarchy, for example, where women are at the top instead of a patriarchy that we have in Western culture, where men are traditionally at the top. So it goes to show that though there are natural urges that are creating these hierarchies, they're not real. They're not objectively the right way to be. We can reorganize ourselves using our incredible, flexible human brains to be whatever we want, whatever we think works the best. And I am here to tell you that buying into hierarchy is what is reinforcing the feeling that you are not enough and that there is a scarcity of value in the world. But how do we actually convince ourselves that everyone is equal? For starters, one thing that I've recognized whenever I have this feeling that I am not enough or that I am unworthy or I am lacking in value, I realize it feels like that is my deep inner truth and that has always been my deep inner truth and that will always be true. When I feel that not enoughness, when I feel worthless, it feels infinite. But I've started to recognize that I don't feel worthless all the time. Not being enough is in fact a feeling. And like all feelings, it is temporary. So I was having this common, though temporary, reaction to cultural situations where, say, I saw someone else's film get into a good film festival and I felt worthless because I felt there was a scarcity of success and that I was being compared to that person and that there was a hierarchy and I was low on the hierarchy because my films had not played at that festival or I wasn't even in the process of making a film. So it was a cultural conditioned interpretation of events that caused me to feel a temporary feeling. But like all feelings, when you're feeling it, it feels like that is forever, like that is your deep inner truth. Emotions are kind of this layer over top of your brain and your perspectives and your thinking that colors everything. It, it really, it contaminates everything. So even when you look into the past, the contamination of that temporary feeling of worthlessness goes right into the past, and your whole past looks worthless, like you've always been worthless. And then you look at the future, and again, it is contaminated and colored by the temporary feeling of worthlessness, so your whole future looks worthless. And you look into yourself, into your deepest core, and once again, it is colored and contaminated by the temporary feeling of worthlessness. So it feels like deep inside of you, you are worthless. But the truth is, you are really just wearing a pair of disposable contact lenses. 
not even just disposable. You're wearing a pair of biodegradable contact lenses of unworthiness. And so everywhere you look with those biodegradable contact lenses of unworthiness, you see unworthiness over everything. If you literally just wait for five minutes, those contact lenses of unworthiness will biodegrade. They will melt away. You can do this through meditating. You can do this through exercise. You can do this just by distracting yourself. And then when you look into the past, you won't see unworthiness anymore. And when you look to the future, you will see incredible potential. And when you look into your deep inner self, you'll just see yourself. And we also have positive contact lenses too. We all have these incredible moments where we have the contact lenses of self-esteem, of joy, of love. And we look around and we see ourselves as amazing. And we always were amazing. And we look to the future and we see amazing potential in our future. And we look deep into ourselves and we see an amazing, worthy human being. And then those contact lenses of self-esteem melt away. So the question is, Given that we have all these different contact lenses that are temporary and biodegradable that we're always switching in and out, why is it that we focus on and remember the biodegradable contact lenses of worthlessness more than any of the others? That's because we all have an innate bias towards negativity. Just like our bias towards in-groups and out-groups that I talked about last week, it has been studied and verified again and again that human beings all have an instinct that compels them to focus on the negative. Why do we have that? Because survival. Everything we have is because of survival. Focusing on the negative helped keep our ancestors alive. You know, our ancestors were looking at bushes thinking there's probably a tiger behind that bush. And then they see another bush and they're like, there's probably a tiger behind that bush. And then they see another bush and they're like, there's probably a tiger behind that bush too. It kept us cautious. It kept us on guard. It kept us in a constant state of vigilance. Our negativity bias kept us alive. So that when we did encounter a tiger, we were ready for it. Note that our instincts are not geared towards well-being. Our instincts are not geared towards making us happy. Our instincts are geared towards the bottom line. Stay alive, spread your genes. So while it's perfectly natural to focus on the negative, you know, just like it's quote-unquote perfectly natural for us to form hierarchies, that doesn't mean that's the way it has to be, and that doesn't mean that that is the healthiest way to be in a sense of well-being, in a sense of contentment, in a sense of happiness in a sense of enjoying your life. We live in a world that has very few tigers behind very few bushes. So actually, our negativity bias is no longer as useful as it used to be. It may, in fact, now be making our lives worse instead of better. Just like shame, our instinctual biases towards negativity our instinctual biases towards in-groups and out-groups no longer completely fit with the modern world that we live in. Deep down, our instincts are still geared towards hunter-gatherers who live in small homogenous groups of 50 to 150 people. So these instincts that were helpful to keep us alive back then in that scenario no longer serve their main function. They no longer keep us alive, per se. So when we feel a feeling of worthlessness, 
it awakens our negativity bias, and our brain makes a special effort to remember that situation and to remember that feeling because our brain treats psychological threats exactly the same as it treats physical threats. When you feel shame, we know that it triggers your fight or flight or freeze reflex, just as if there was an actual literal tiger behind a bush. It's our brain's threat response. So when you have a feeling of worthlessness, you're actually tapping into your brain's primal threat response, and it is categorizing that event as very important and something that it needs to remember and try to avoid. So our brain is literally earmarking all of these situations where we feel unworthy. And when we do feel worthy, our brain is like, cool, like whatever, that felt nice, see you never. So just by understanding the way our brain works, we can start to demystify this chronic feeling of unworthiness. Now, when I feel worthlessness, I make a concerted effort to remind myself, oh right, this is temporary. This is just a temporary feeling that feels through emotional contamination like it is forever, like it is my deep inner truth. And this is a very tricky thing to do because when you're in that emotion, it really does feel infinite. It feels all-encompassing. It feels so true. And I have to constantly catch myself. It took a lot of practice to get used to this. Oh, hey, oh, wow. I just spent an hour feeling worthless. And I need to now remind myself that is a temporary feeling. So it's true. I did feel worthless. Why did I feel worthless? Because some cultural conditioning within me was triggered by some kind of comparison usually. But once I'm able to reframe it as temporary, I realize that that feeling of worthlessness does not define me. It is not universally true of my whole life. It is not my deep inner secret. It is just a temporary lens which will pass in a few minutes. A temporary lens which happens a lot, but is not actually indicative of who I really am. Though there is literally a pathway in my brain, there are literally neurons that have been reinforced around these ideas of worthlessness. So there is, like a, there is a physical component that is real. That doesn't mean that it is really me. Because my brain is plastic. We have neuroplasticity. It has been shown that we can rewire our brain. So given that we have the potential to rewire our brain, who am I really? Am I the neurons that are linked to unworthiness that have been reinforced through a lot of cultural conditioning and shame? Or am I the plasticity? In my view of self, I have come to embrace the idea that deep down I am a kind of clay that is always pliable and flexible and changeable, a clay of near-infinite potential. That means I am not defined by my past. I am not defined by my cultural ideas. I am not defined by my mistakes or even my successes. I am looking towards a future in which I can at least theoretically accomplish almost anything I want within reason given my particular aptitudes as well as a lot of hard work, a lot of education, a lot of support, and a lot of luck. But to me... It's the potential that really matters. It's not about accomplishing every little thing that I could theoretically accomplish. It's not even necessarily about 
using neuroplasticity to overwrite that neural pathway of worthlessness. It's just about knowing that the potential is always there. So when I have that feeling of worthlessness, I can contextualize it as just one temporary feature of me. And when I know deep down inside that that doesn't define me and that that isn't permanent, it changes the effect that feeling has on me. It allows me to separate myself from that feeling and look at it with some distance and love it. It allows me to give that feeling a lot of self-compassion. Because look at what I'm up against. Look at what we're all up against. Two of the most powerful forces any human can possibly encounter. Cultural conditioning and instincts. No wonder I'm struggling with this. No wonder so many people are struggling with a feeling of not enough. Two of the most primal forces that we have are telling us that we're not enough. One is the cultural message that there's a hierarchy and that you are under comparison and that there's only so much worthiness to go around. That is deeply ingrained and conditioned into us from our childhood. And on the other hand, are the instincts that give us a bias towards focusing on the negative. And that is hardwired into us, probably. That's probably not something that you can even really change. So we have these two fundamental forces that are constantly bombarding us with the message that we're not good enough. So it's so important to not blame ourselves. It's like a double whammy. It's like shaming your shame. Not only am I already not feeling good enough, but I'm then looking at the very fact that I don't feel good enough and deciding that that makes me even worse. When the truth is, it's not our fault. This is a very powerful, natural message. And the way to deal with it is through compassion for ourselves. We need to give ourselves love. We need to give ourselves a hug. So now, when I feel that I am not good enough, I, first of all, remind myself that it is temporary, that it is going to pass. I remind myself that it does not define me, that I am full of potential to be all kinds of different things. I remind myself that the reason I'm focusing on it is a natural instinct. And I remind myself that the message is coming from culture and not really coming from me. And with all of these tools... I'm actually able to chip away at that message ever so slowly. So, of course, it's kind of inevitable and it's going to keep happening. But every time it happens, it is less powerful. It is less meaningful. It feels less true. I recently finished a mindful self-compassion workshop with the goddess of self-compassion herself, Kristen Neff. She's basically the Brene Brown of self-compassion. The course was developed and co-facilitated with her self-compassion partner in crime, psychologist Chris Germer. It was basically two days of focusing on and giving ourselves the permission to love ourselves. And I think that is one of the biggest ways to counteract this feeling of not enough and to counteract shame. One of the techniques that they taught us was a loving-kindness meditation. 
you've maybe, if you've done meditation, heard this kind of meditation. It's where you're saying something like, may all beings feel love and warmth. May all beings have health and happiness. But in this version, it was self-compassion. So it was directed inward at yourself. And everyone was instructed to come up with their own affirmations for themselves. And one technique that they offered for doing this was to imagine what it is we would love to hear another person come up and say to us. And the first word that popped into my mind was, wow. I wanted people to come up to me and look at me and just say, wow. Aside from being deeply embarrassing, I think what that goes to show is that what I really want is this sense of being exceptional, of being amazing, as being seen as, as the best, as, as better than everyone. It's this desire to be at the top of the fictional hierarchy of human value. And that is something that I really don't want to buy into. So the immediate urge that I wanted to hear someone come up and say, wow, made me a little bit <laughs> uncomfortable. But then Chris Germer turned it around and he said, it's not about what that person comes up and says, really. It's about how you think you will feel after hearing it. So I was like, okay, so if someone came up and said, wow, I would feel exceptional. I would feel deeply worthy because I'm still so drawn towards this cultural shame conditioning that worthiness means I'm exceptional. It's not really about the exceptional part. It really is just that that is subconsciously my strategy towards worthiness. Being exceptional, being the best, being special is just my brain's way of getting towards a feeling of being deeply lovable, of being deeply worthy, of being enough. So you're supposed to take that feeling and turn it into a wish. So I started working with May I feel that I am enough? And then I made it more immediate. I turned it into, may I feel that I am already enough? But it still felt kind of externalized. I was like, well, wait, who's deciding that I'm already enough? Is it other people? Because getting over shame is all about taking external validation and replacing it with internal validation. So then I upgraded it to, may I know that I am already enough for myself. And that sounded, just sounded kind of awkward. So I finally landed on the following loving kindness affirmation. May I know that I am already everything I need myself to be. It's a way of reminding myself that I actually believe we are all equal. And I actually therefore believe that no matter where I'm at in life's journey, I am always enough. And that I am the one who gets to decide that, not society, not other people. It's up to me to embrace my enoughness. So this affirmation gives me the power to remind myself that I am already everything I need myself to be. So think about what that word is that a stranger could come up and say to you that would feel amazing. And if it's anything along the lines of, wow, then try meditating on this affirmation 
of loving kindness for yourself. May I know that I am already everything I need myself to be.